Greetings in the mighty name of Jesus. This is Reverend Tashi Campbell. Stay tuned for today's Rhema Word. We are in an interesting time in our history. At some point along our journey, we transitioned into a period where the impact of the church and Christianity in many parts of the world has weakened. We exist in a time when professed Christians and not just mere Christians or churchgoers, but Christian leaders have become open sellouts buckling under the pressure of the world and its systems. Come with me, I am painting a picture. In recent years, some pastors in Jamaica have made headline news, not because of their relentless pursuit of God's kingdom agenda, but because of their support of or participation in sinful acts. Still yet, for many Christians in the midst of all this, it had been business as usual, going to church, having a good time, and living the good life. The fire on many prayer altars had gone out as so many persons were busy with their jobs and other personal pursuits. But then without invitation, without advanced notice, without respect, here comes the 2019 novel coronavirus. The virus that propelled us into a new normal. Within a matter of days, panic skyrocketed among many people, including Christians. And terms such as quarantine and self-isolation and social distancing became descriptions that defined newly recommended behaviors. I'm still painting a picture. The presence of the COVID-19 has undoubtedly impacted the church. It has impacted our main way of doing church. My friends... If there was ever a time when the people of God should get back to the place of prayer, it's now. As it is, my friends, our government in its effort to curtail the spread of this unwelcomed guest in our island, Jamaica, issued a decree that no more than 20 persons should be gathered in any public space at the same time, and that persons gathering should maintain the three to four feet distance from each other. Well, okay, we understand. We appreciate the effort and we fully support this stance. But the speed with which a number of our churches closed their doors has caused me to wonder if as a church, we understand what we are about. We know that some churches will be streaming live on YouTube or Facebook and so on. But in the absence of an online presence, 
couldn't these churches get together 10 or 15 or even 20 of their members along with the pastor to meet for a time of prayer right there during the regular service time i am just wondering if the church understands what they are about i have also observed the urgency with which many christians have scampered away in fear hiding behind social media adding to the fear and panic by the messages that they send as well as embracing opportunities to increase the strength of that wicked demon called fear my friends i believe that god is speaking in the midst of the crisis I believe that God has allowed a shaking in our churches and in our nation at this time for a number of reasons. One, I believe that God is trying to get our attention. And secondly, to remind us of our humanness, our frailty. I believe that God wants to show us that we need to humble ourselves, to repent and to get back to the place of prayer. And I believe God wants to expose our loyalty, our allegiance. As I said, I'm going to say that again. God has allowed a shaking in our churches and in our nation at this time for a number of reasons. One, I believe God wants to get our attention. Two, I believe he wants to remind us of our humanness, our frailty. Three, I believe God wants to show us that we need to humble ourselves, repent, and get back to the place of prayer. And I believe that God wants to expose our loyalty. It is on this point that I want to spend a little time today as we look at Daniel chapter 3. Allow me to read a few verses. Some Chaldeans, and I'm reading from verse 8, took this occasion to come forward and maliciously accuse the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. You as king have issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, drum, and every kind of music must fall down and worship the gold statue. Whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. There are some Jews you have appointed to manage the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men have ignored you, the king. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Then in a furious rage, Nebuchadnezzar gave orders to bring in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar asked them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true that you don't serve my gods or worship the gold statue I have set up? Now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, Zither, lyre, harp, drum, and every kind of music. 
fall down and worship the statue I made. But if you don't worship it, you will immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God who can rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. I want to point out to us that the event of Daniel chapter 3 was a test of loyalty. According to Babylonian records, there was a revolt against Nebuchadnezzar during his 10th year as king. Hence, this is the likely reason that he decided to create the gold statue. A test of loyalty. And Nebuchadnezzar asked an important question. What God will be able to rescue you from my hand? But let us look at the response of the Hebrew boys. God we serve exists then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire and he can rescue us from the power of you the king but even if he does not rescue us we want you to know we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up this is the word of the Lord. We honor it by saying thanks be to God. Now, I want us to understand that in that verse where the Hebrew boys responded and said, if the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire and he can rescue us from the power of you, O king. The response there of the Hebrew boys, these young men, in the context, it spoke to possibility rather than certainty. In other words, what they were saying is, God might deliver them or he might choose not to do so. Their faith in God did not rest on the belief that he would perform a miracle but that their sovereign God could be trusted I want to say that again their faith in God the faith of these Hebrew boys their faith in God did not rest on whether or not God would perform a miracle but that they could trust in their sovereign God if God chose not to deliver them from this punishment, but allowed them to die, hence causing them to become martyrs, they would still refuse to bow down to the gods of the king or worship the gold image that he had made. The title of today's Rhema word is this. Every Christian needs an if not clause. Every Christian needs an if not clause.
the Bible says, but even if he does not rescue us, even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. There it is, the if not clause. The if not clause. Every Christian needs an if not clause. What is this if not clause? The if not clause is acknowledging and professing confidence in the power of God and his ability and capability to deliver. This clause for the Christian speaks to a deliberate confession of a resolve to remain uncompromising in one's faith in God and worship of him. The if not clause represents in the life of the believer an unswerving commitment to trust in God no matter what. My friends, these Hebrew boys were unequivocal in their stance and clear in the articulation of their decision. They said, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. But even if he does not, I wonder today if there are some Christians who in the face of sickness, in the face of financial woes, in the, in the face of crisis, will confess, will make a commitment, will say that even if God does not rescue me from this fire, I will not bow. I will not bow. These Hebrew boys, their faith in God was as a result of their trust in him rather than what he can do for them. There is absolutely nothing wrong with believing God for a miracle. Nothing is wrong with believing God to do something for you, to bring a change in your situation. But if God doesn't heal, if God doesn't get, make you rich, if God doesn't allow you to get married, if God doesn't fix a particular situation because in his goodness, in his wisdom, in his providence, he sees where he will get the greater glory out of whatever the situation is. Will you resolve in your heart that even if he does not, if God doesn't rescue us from this fire, if God doesn't deliver me from this test, even if he does not, I am staying put. Even if he does not, I am holding my position. Even if he does not, I am going to keep praying and fasting. I am going to keep worshiping the most high God. Even if he does not, I will continue to pay my tithes. I will continue to give free will offering. Even if he does not. The Bible says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's what God says. He says that he is a refuge and strength, a very present help in troubled times. Every Christian needs an if not clause. I wonder today, where 
in your life do you need to make a resolve that even if he does not rescue me from this fire, I will not bow. My friends, I want you to understand that if you bow, you will burn. Thank you for tuning in to today's Rhema Word. I trust that you have been blessed. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come to you today. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Lord God, for speaking to us today. Lord God Almighty, we confess that so many times we have been more interested in seeking your hand rather than trusting in who you are. And we thank you, mighty God, that we can look to the character of God in our times of crises and that in the midst of our crises, you are there. Lord, we understand that everything you choose to do, you have good reasons to do it because you are a good God and you are faithful through the ages. But Lord, we thank you that we can trust in your power. We can trust in your protection. We can trust in you to act in our best interest so that you get the glory. So Lord God, when we strip ourselves of everything that we want and desire materially, Lord God, we are saying today that we trust in you. We trust in you. We trust in you. We trust in you. And even if you do not rescue us from this fire, we will not bow to the pressures of this world. We will not bow to the gods of this world. We will not bow because you are God. You are the great God. And we love you and we trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>